0: Are NBCU checkout and shoppable ads a better approach to TV commerce than 90s-era interactive TV? And will it work on Peacock? New data shows Disney Plus is better than Netflix at generating social buzz. Listen on to find out more.
1: And welcome to Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News and we have colin dixon of course on the other end here of the podcast from Screen media hey colin how is everything going
0: it's going great well i spent some time with our friends at nbcu this week at their 122 event which i thought was pretty interesting lots of big announcements there they've one of the biggest i suppose was the elevated iSpot tv to a new currency which must be a bit of a blow to our friends at nielsen and apparently nbcu so they're gonna elevate others to add currency as well. So uh, that was a pretty interesting announcement.
1: Yeah, and we're going to focus actually on Shoppable, which was another part of the announcement there at the 122 event. Um, But we don't want to jump ahead too much. We first want to talk about our couple of news stories this week that caught our attention. And I believe that you're going first, right?
0: Yes, I will. And one of the things that I've been expecting in 2022, Will, is for SVOD services to begin to branch out into other business models. And one of the things that's pretty clear from the data is that growth is slowing. Uh, People, however, are still adding services, although penetration isn't isn't growing very much at the moment, stuck at about 80% here in the U.S., and so they really need to find other ways to make money and otherwise way, other ways to fill their funnel. And I thought an excellent way of doing that was to launch fast channels. Well, uh, Curiosity Stream is doing just that. It announced that it has launched Curiosity Now on LG channels, so newer LG TVs. Uh, In fact, LG Smart TV 4.0 and newer models can now watch Curiosity Now. And they've got a really interesting set of content drawing on some of their best content. Actually, actually, ancient engineering, the secret lives of big cats, Stephen Hawking's favorite places, myths and monsters, secrets of the brain. So there's some really good stuff that they're going to be curating and programming on that channel, Will. But this is just a sort of opening salvo. They say that, uh, in actually in the press release, they say that over the coming weeks, Curiosity Now will launch on additional fast platforms as part of an enhanced subscriber acquisition and to bolster our brand partnerships. So they're doing exactly what I suggested I, I thought uh, SVOD services should be doing, which is broadening their distribution and uh, looking for new ways to make additional money so uh, i think that's going to be a trend that we're going to see this year
1: and it creates a funnel you're saying for the subscription service
0: sure does it's obviously going to be branded pretty clearly in in lg channels and wherever they go so that should help build a funnel yep
1: sounds like it's a good move
0: i think it's a very good move
1: so what caught your eye Well, what caught my eye this week, Colin, is that um, YouTube said that it is adding 4,000 free TV episodes uh, from a number of different shows, um, Hell's Kitchen, Andromeda, 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 rather, sorry, why am I saying that, mispronouncing that, um, and Heartland, uh, and some others as well, and is um, planning to uh, roll this out within YouTube and it'll be an augment to the movies that it already had um, which I think was about 1500 or so give or take if I got that right Um, but uh, I think it's a smart move by YouTube they're obviously the 800 pound gorilla of um, of both online video advertising and connected TV advertising so the idea of adding more inventory and gaining more viewership to in turn create more sellable inventory uh, seems like a really smart opportunity for them. And, um, you know, of course they have fantastic data on viewers so really strong targeting. And as you just said, ad supported is growing. So um, this augments the ability to rent or buy titles through YouTube by being able to watch more for free which is the way most people experience YouTube.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think a, l- a lot of people don't realize that there's premium content inside of YouTube. Well, there has been for quite a while. And this is just going to pile on. They, they're also, in addition to those, those, uh, the TV shows that you mentioned, they're getting movies from Disney, Warner Brothers and Paramount, like Legally Blonde, Runaway, Runaway Bride and Gone in 60 Seconds. So, you know, these are pretty interesting titles. If you've got, you know, you just want to sit down and watch something casually uh, during, uh, you know, when you've got some spare time. And I think it's a really smart move. Um, Nielsen said earlier that earlier this year that YouTube reached about 135 million people in connected on connected TVs in the US, and uh, that's not quite half. There's I think there's about 270 million people in the US, but that's a good chunk of us uh, us uh, adults that are watching youtube on tv and this is going to do exactly what they want which is getting people watching for a good long time and seeing all of those ads so big thumbs up and i don't know if i'm if i'm some of the fast like pluto tv or samsung tv plus and avod Tubi, and whatnot well they've got youtube now moving in on their premium positions so uh, that should be pretty interesting
1: Absolutely. Well, um, and we'll certainly, I think, both be experiencing some of those TV shows and movies on YouTube, as will everybody. But um, we want to shift gears this week. Uh, as you mentioned at the beginning, NBC Universal had an um, event they called the 122 uh, earlier this week. And um, I didn't catch it, but you did. And one of the things that really caught your attention is the uh, shoppable um, model, that they rolled out um, for being able to, well, I don't want to steal your thunder. So um, (laughs) why don't you talk about what shoppable TV is and let's talk about the opportunity and um, what some of the challenges might be.
0: Sure. So at one point in the presentation, they switched over to talking about this shoppable opportunity. And of course, they've been doing shoppable ads with QR codes uh, for for a year or so. Um, But the, there's a big evolution, I think, with what they're doing now. What they what they announced at 122, but it started in a really interesting way, will, because Josh Feldman, who's chief marketing officer at NBC Universal Advertising Sales and Partnerships, he was he gave a demo on an Xfinity box using an Xfinity remote control, and what he demoed was somebody buying an eyebrow pencil that was being used in this makeup show for $8.99 and they did it using this as I say the Xfinity remote just just saying when the when the ad was on there was a little queue on the screen and they just had to say shop into the remote and they were given the opportunity to uh, to part of the screen the the right of the screen about a third of it was taken up with uh, an opportunity to buy and they could just click and buy using mbcu checkout which is a new wallet that mbcu has launched to allow people to make you know just one click payment so obviously you're storing your credit card out there and and everything Uh, and i gotta tell you as i watched this well i felt like i've been i've been transported back almost 30 years back into the mid-90s when i was spending a lot of time on interactive tv and launching trying to launch interactive tv services on on on, uh, platforms like comcast digital tv platform and cox digital tv platforms this is pre-xfinity of course Uh, and the big thing there the big example they always used to point to there was buying jennifer aniston's sweater during friends you know with 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 your remote control um, so so that was that was kind of interesting but it really set me thinking about has the environment for this well they're calling it shoppable tv but it's really interactive tv commerce right t commerce what we used to call in those days and i wanted to really think about what the environment was and first of all i think that shoppable tv is much more tenable in a Comcast environment so it's been rolled out um, it's been rolled out on Comcast's global video platform so that means it's really really easy to to deploy this on Infinity TV, Flex, Sky even Comcast's X-Class TVs although there are not many of those in the market right now. But uh, anyway, it's very simple for them to deploy on that platform. And it's a pretty interesting footprint still, even with the decline in pay TV. There's 17.5 million residential customers for Comcast Xfinity TV. Um, and uh, we're not quite sure how many Flex boxes are actually in use. But of course, Sky is at 10 million if they wanted to deploy on Sky. Um, so it's an interesting footprint. Uh, so that's one thing. I think this is a very strong proposition on those platforms. But the problem is that it is not a strong option on non-Comcast uh, platforms. And the reason that's a problem is because Peacock is the future of television at NBCU. And they really need to be doing shoppable TV in Peacock and they're not doing it today. And I think one of the reasons they're not doing it is because all of the major platform providers want a cut of any commerce that's taking place on their platform. So if you look at Apple, for example, it takes between 15 and 30 percent of any digital in-app transaction that takes place on its platform. And this is a huge deal uh, and it's a. Hu- I think it's a huge impediment. For for one thing, there's no way you can sell an eight ninety nine eyebrow pe- uh, pencil, and hand over fifteen to thirty percent of that in app purchase, that in peacock app purchase, to Apple. It just it just doesn't work. There's there's no margin, right. So there would have to be a specific deal with Apple on doing that but even given any margin on something as marginal as an eyebrow pencil it's probably not something that people want to do so i th- i think that's going to be a huge problem for launching this off of Comcast's devices um so so you know th- those are a couple of things that i really noticed right off the bat but I mean, how does it strike you?
1: Yeah, I was going to say, um, before you move on to the next thing, uh, I mean, when I think about the types of things that people might buy while watching TV, and we'll talk about just what it means to actually divert from watching TV to buying something in the first place, but it seems like they would be lower ticket type items, lower priced items. So, you know, a $9 eye pencil or, you know, more kind of spontaneous purchases, lower-priced purchases, I think would be, you know, probably the majority. I mean, you're probably not going to buy like a $1,000 vacation package while you're watching TV before you understand the dates and the scheduling and the logistics and everything else. So, you know, these lower-priced items are probably going to be most popular. And, you know, to your point, lower-priced item on relatively low margin and having to hand over 15 to 30 percent that doesn't seem like a recipe for success. Um, it seems like it's going to be challenging to the profitability. So, uh, it is appealing, I think, on the Comcast platforms, and I think the voice activation, you know, makes it even more appealing. But, um, but you know, as you said, for Peacock, where most of Peacock is eventually going to be consumed outside of Comcast platforms, uh, figuring out that tax, that platform tax, is is going to be difficult.
0: Yeah, it is, and I, I think establishing a new wallet, this NBCU check, checkout, is going to be no easy feat either. I mean, we're besieged with them, aren't we? We've got we've got Apple Wallet and Google Pay and Roku. You know, you can pay through your Roku already. All of these platforms, they are already payment payment mechanisms on these platforms. So, I don't know. I don't know that alone. Establishing NBCU Wallet as something viable is going to be really difficult but it's really critical right because you really need the wallet fulfillment part for you to be able to to show action to your advertisers because that really shows that you completed the sale uh, so that that I think is going to be a really tough thing I, I don't want to rain completely on their parade I, I you can you can hear from my voice that uh, probably that I, I'm a little bit jaded when it comes to interactive TV. I spent a lot of time trying to get trying to sell technology into providers. And the truth is that people really just didn't want to interact with their TV when they're watching something. When they're watching TV, they're into the TV, and that's what they want to do. They don't really want to spend or buy anything. They're just watching. So that was always a problem. And in fact, Sky spent a whole bunch of money... In the late 90s retrofitting its network retrofitting its boxes so that it could do interactive sales through um, dial-up and it was doing that and eventually it shut it all down it stopped doing that because it just wasn't successful but there were a couple of things that were really different there first of all it was on dial-up so it was awfully awfully slow shoppable TV is using broadband so it should be nice and fast as well it into skies implementation interrupted the viewing so when you actually went into the interactive mode to buy something you couldn't see the video and the video didn't stop playing in the background so you're actually missing the show so that was a problem and that obviously won't be a problem with shoppable tv they're just taking up a part of the screen and the third thing was this you know taking up the whole stream whole screen right um which is what that shoppable on uh, the interactive buying on Sky did, and shoppable won't do that you mentioned the fact that they're using voice um, and i mentioned it earlier i think that's a big deal if they can make that happen that's a big deal because with qr codes qr codes are great but the problem is that they're actually you need your phone near you and you need to be able to probably have to get up and lean in to get that shot of the qr code from the screen to make it work So I think that's a bit problematic, and voice will definitely ease that. But the real thing that I think could make this successful, if they're able to do it well, is targeting. If they can show that shoppable ad to somebody that is engaged with the with, with not just with the content, but with the item that is being discussed in the content, you know, a known purchaser of of makeup materials. And they show them that eyebrow pencil being purchase to opportunity being used by the character or whatever in the show that they're watching. I think that could be a really strong proposition and actually work pretty well at translating into a sale. The problem is that MVCU doesn't have that information, right? They don't know that about somebody until they've made a purchase in that area. Um, I'd tell you who is in a good position to do this, and that's Amazon. And Amazon is starting to do this on Fire TV. I think we discussed that in one of the previous podcasts, right? So I think there's, you know, this targeting thing could be a big issue and could really improve things. But it could take them a long time to get the information that they need to efficiently target those ads to likely purchasers.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Um, I mean, targeting happens in a lot of different ways. There's a lot of different data that's used to target. So uh, I mean, when you're talking about with Amazon, they have actual purchase data, which of course is you know, very valuable. Um, but there is also contextual data and other you know, types of data that NBC Universal will have, um, you know, behavioral data, other things. So it's not as if they have nothing to get started. And um, and that might be enough to get the ball rolling. Uh, and I don't know, did he talk about what the rollout of the shoppable TV is going to be or any sense of the timeline?
0: No, he didn't. He didn't really give a, a firm timeline for that. But uh, what he did say was it's done. It's already implemented and they're ready to go. So I assume that it's part of the big announcement and it's another one of the uh, it's another one of the advertising types that they can start selling in their, yep. uh, you know, um, in the areas where it's already been rolled out. So I think they're probably out selling it right now with with their with their brands and, that they work with,
1: and part of the so, part of the upfront yeah, process and, as well. And I so. think
0: it will probably it could well be part of could could well be part of the upfronts indeed.
1: Well, it's going to be worth keeping an eye on. Um, do you want to take time to do the next, Colin, or how do you feel?
0: Actually, yeah. Let's let's just spend. This was really um, f- some fascinating data that came across my desk from a company called Diesel Labs, and actually, I interviewed the head of Diesel Labs, Angelina Mida, who uh, on Monday, and she we, we had a fascinating discussion about how the company is using social engagement, social data to figure out and compare the performance of content across, uh, across platforms so that they can compare how HBO Max content is doing versus uh, you know, Disney and, and uh, Netflix. Uh, so this is, this is really funny. And there's, I want to highlight a couple of the things that she said, Will, that were just really, really fascinating insights into how we're watching content. So the first thing was that, she her company looked at the posts and they're really looking at what what they're calling first party engagement posts where people actually post it's not a like or a forward of a post it's an original post and she so they looked at the original posts for the on on original content for the top services and what they found was that Netflix in 2021 garnered about 35% of audience engagement um, through these social posts uh, with its streaming originals, but it produced about 57% of all of the originals, right? So it got 35% of the engagement from 57% of the originals. Disney, on the other hand, only produced 5% of the originals, but got 29% of of the engagement which is pretty remarkable. I mean just I think what that says to me is how powerful the brands are that Disney is bringing to bear here. Marvel, uh, the Marvel universe and Star Wars and you know Disney itself, Pixar, all of these are household names and they really do the hard work I think for Disney in in really getting conversations going on social. Uh, and I tell you, who else was pretty good? HBO Max, uh, it produced 11% of the original content releases and it got 22% of the engagement. So HBO Max is doing a much better job than Netflix is in creating that uh, social buzz. And I thought this was pretty funny because, of course, Netflix, uh, Netflix's Ted Sarandis is always going on about Netflix being in the social zeitgeist and crowing about how great the company is at creating. Uh, creating buzz with its originals and creating social stars. Who you know, once they appear in a Netflix show, they become social stars. But it turns out, well, Disney and uh, and HBO Max are doing a much better job. Uh, so that was one thing. The other thing they calculate, which is I thought really really interesting. I'd not seen this data really done like this. They look at people who post for the first time about content in a new service. So for example, um, they said that Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is an HBO Max show, got 15.5% audience lift. And what that means is that 15.5% of people that posted about shows posted about Zack Snyder's Justice League and had never posted about an HBO Max show before. So that's what that means. So it gives a real insight into the power of new releases, new originals, in in drawing in new audiences, right? And for HBO Max, it was all about the movies last year. Uh, I mentioned Zack Snyder's Justice League, 15.5%, Godzilla vs. King Kong, 12% audience lift, Space Jam, A New Legacy, 9.9% lift. Really huge numbers suggesting that, you know, a lot of the gains that HBO Max made last year was from its movies. And you compare that to Disney, well, that was completely different. Disney's lift came from its franchises and from the shows uh, mostly from the shows and the movies from those franchises and they were not nearly as big so WandaVision for example only generated an 8.2 percent audience lift and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier which was the next best performing was just 1.8 percent so you know uh, Disney Disney's not doing a really good job in drawing in new audiences with its content it looks like most of the people that want that content is already there so uh, you know I think we talked about this as well on the show last week that um, I was wondering exactly how many of the 6.5 million subscribers that Disney got last year are actually engaged and uh, well this, this, this sort of suggests to me that they really didn't pick up much engagement at all last year uh, looking at these audience lift numbers from Diesel Labs. Anyway, it was a fascinating look. There's a call free report. If people want to grab grab that, they can just come to my site and look at the posting um, that I that I made on this data. It's um, uh, Disney Plus way better at generating social engagement than Netflix, and they can they'll find a link to that to that report right there. Uh, and also, they'll find a link to my interview with um, Anjali Mida the CEO fascinating
1: yeah sounds like a lot of really interesting data colin and i of course read your post i've read it a couple of times and you do a really nice job of summarizing things and really highlighting as you just said some of the differences among the major svod services and the impact of original content and how audiences are responding to it so um good job capturing all that data and translating it so it's complicated stuff but you did it it nicely
0: yeah, thanks. I, I mean, as I say, it's a pretty unique view. i would not seen this before, Will, and being easily able to compare performance across com- companies, across services, is just not easy to do, and they seem to be doing a pretty credible job at doing it.
1: Yeah. Okay, good. Well, Colin, uh, I think we've covered a lot here, so we're going to leave it at that for today, unless you have anything else.
0: I do not, Been great talking to you as, you as usual, Will.
1: Likewise, great talking to you, and thanks everyone for listening in on this week's edition of Inside the Stream, and we will see you all again next week. Inside the Stream is a production of InScreen Media and Video News, all rights reserved.